When I was 16 years old, I was apprenticing at a tattoo shop to be a piercer. And it just happened to be directly across the street from my dad's favorite bar, which was also his place of employment. So one day he decides that he's going to take me to literally every single bar downtown and introduce me to every bouncer, bartender, and owner and tell them, hey, check it out. This is my daughter. She's not of age. She's not going to be of age for the next five years. So if you see her down here, make sure you kick her the fuck out. So when I started getting into the party scene when I was about 18 years old, I was really paranoid about all the um, people who worked in the in the bars knowing who I was. So when I started working as a waitress at the strip club and I started befriending the dancers, one of them in particular, who was the epitome of a hustler, kind of took me under her wing and told me that she would get me into all of the bars, like no problem. So one night we decided that we're going to go out and she has this guy come and pick me up from my house, and then we proceed to go pick her up from work, and we go to some club downtown. And um, the guy was really nice. He paid for all of our drinks. We had a really good time. But then when 2 o'clock rolled around, he told me that he could not take me home. He was too drunk to drive and asked me if it would be okay if I stayed at his house, and he told me that he had a couch that I could sleep on. So I was like, eh, whatever, you know, he was really nice and it was pretty clear that they were hooking up anyway, so I didn't think I had anything to worry about. So we go back to his house and I see that the couch that he was referring to happens to be a recliner. She tells me that it's cool, I can sleep in bed with them, I can sleep up against the wall, she'll sleep in the middle, and he'll sleep on the edge. So we go in there, we smoke a little bit, I'm laying down trying to go to sleep, and I start hearing them fool around. And I was just sitting there trying so hard not to laugh because it was so fucking awkward and I was way too stoned. And uh, about 10 minutes goes by, they're still hooking up, they're still fucking. And suddenly I hear, fuck me in the ass. And it was his voice. <laughs> so I turn around and look and she's leaning over the bed and she pulls out this giant box of fucking dildos, like the size of my fucking forearm. And she takes one of the dildos out and actually starts fucking him in the ass with it. So about 10 minutes goes by and I'm still sitting there like, oh my God, what do I do? This is the most awkward situation of my entire life. And um, I decided, you know what, fuck this. I'm just going to head to the sofa or the stupid recliner and try to sleep there. And on my way out, I see that she has his dick and balls tied up with a shoelace. And she is yanking on it as hard as she possibly can. To the point where he's practically crying. He's almost in tears. And I was thinking to myself when I went back into the living room, what the fuck was that? Is this really what people are into? And later on, I found out from her that he's really into that whole humiliation thing, the BDSM, the fetishism. And so I started to wonder, you know, how how big is this? Is this a community thing? And how many people are actually into that lifestyle? So I grabbed a couple who teaches a BDSM 101 course and had them shed some light on the underground lifestyle of kink. You heard my story, and this is theirs. You're listening to Brandy Hornback and Michelle Silver, and no, wait, I say her name first? No, I think it's yours. It has nothing to do with you fucking it up, it's you stumbled. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> You're listening to Michelle Silver and Brandy Hornback, and we are fucked. You're listening to Michelle Silver and... Wait, me? Come on, let's go. They have a scene where he starts doing that, like, again. Again, it's like seven times in a row. He's like, well, well, well. You're listening to Brandy Hornback and Michelle Silver, and we are fucked. Here. Oh, shit, I want to get We're fucked. fucked. We're fucked. Fucked. Fucked.
All right. So tell me more about the adventure that you guys went on last night. Last night, um, went down to a little club called Threshold. Um, and uh, we went to some classes, and there was all kinds of interesting stuff. Animal play, fire play. Wait, uh, wait, well, wait, back up. Yes. What was that first one? Animal, animal. play? Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. I heard animal. That's what I heard, animal too. Play? I was like, no, that's a whole different animal play. That is a whole different <laughs> camp. It was illegal, like, isn't it? wait a minute. All right, that's bestiality. And yes. No. No. Gotcha. Okay. Animal uh, play, butt play. Um, wait, do it again. Enema. Enema. <laughs> um, yeah, so enema, they did enema play, fire play, extreme rope play, and interrogation scenes. And there was followed by a play party, which was always a lot of fun. What constitutes as extreme rope play? Doing things that um, the common community would consider as bad and or wrong, like tying ropes around the neck. Yeah, because we're always taught never tie around joints, never tie around um, certain areas of the arms where you can pinch off the uh, like the nerves and things like that because it makes your hands go hands go numb, and numb hands is a bad thing. And don't ever tie around the neck, and that's usually done because you get a lot of people who are noobs who don't know what they're doing, and so a way to mitigate accidents is to tell them don't do that. So people who have been doing it for a while can actually go ahead and do that sort of thing. As long as it's done safely and done with a mind of, um, yeah, this is dangerous, let's make sure we do it correctly. You know what I mean? So he did like a thing where he died, He tied um, a rope around her neck a couple times and then put a knot, knot in it. But he used a knot that doesn't slip because then, you know, if you have a slip knot, then it's a noose, you know. So, <laughs> he, Not good. No. So we're not in the business of killing people, just exciting the shit out of them. So he would uh, put a rope around her neck and then tie the knots, and then and so it was nice and tight, and then it still slipped her. It still it was allowed to, it was loose enough she could breathe, and he could move it around her neck, but then he could control her a lot better. And the girl he was using as a bottom for this enjoyed the shit out of it, and I'm pretty sure there was a wet cleanup on aisle four. Very nice. Yeah, it was pretty Very cool. Very nice. I've heard conflicting stories about the the actual female ejaculation being urine. No, 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 no. All right. As, as, someone who has been on the rec- as someone who's been on the receiving end of female ejaculate, it is not urine. I mean, it, you can I can see where you would think it is because it's very watery or can be very watery. It can be thick, too. I mean, I've seen women who, when they ejaculate, it, it looks as thick, almost as thick as men's cum. Yeah. Uh, it's very thick and sticky. Um, and it, But it's warm because, obviously, it's coming from a human, human body. So mm-hmm. it's, you know, at least 98.6 degrees. So... Um, yeah, it, some guys just freak out easily. It was all it boils down to. So, you know, it just, they have to get over it and, and realize that it's not actually urine, but that's, you know, and not every woman's going to squirt either. And that's another common misconception I hear a lot of is the fact that every woman is going to squirt and you can always make a woman squirt. Not necessarily the case. Some do, some don't. It is not the holy grail of sex. You know, if you something, you know, if you can, there's ways to work through it, and you can try to make women squirt. But if they don't, who cares? As long as you're enjoying yourself and you get orgasms, who gives a shit? Yeah, how you do it? yeah. I feel like a 16 year old boy in my um, my education on sex. Like I'm like, <laughs> so do they pee on you? <laughs> they can. But that's a whole different fact. <laughs> yeah, the guy is so dead set that if you don't squirt, you're not having a good time. So it finally gets frustrating to where like, okay, this isn't going to happen. And you're trying to force it to happen. So yeah. here, so I'll make it, something pee happen. On you. <laughs> I'll make it happen. You don't know the difference, and now you're you feel like, haha, I'm a man. <laughs> yeah, that's another ever. thing. I'm moving on. Yeah, guys equate the, some sort of their sexual prowess into being able to make a woman squirt. I don't, I don't get it. As long as she's coming and she's enjoying herself and she's, you know, stupid afterwards, then hey, you've done your job. <laughs> sexual coma is really the goal. Exactly. Yeah. When she can't talk and her eyes roll back in her head, I know, I've, you know, we're doing good. I've done my job well. All right, so let's back up a second. <laughs> today, <laughs> today we're talking about um, BDSM. So we have Master Bear and his slave Kiki, and they just now went to a, what would you call it? A BDSM event, I guess. It was a combination. Event. Yeah, it, it, it was a combination of um, classes and uh, a play party afterwards. What did you say it was? A fetish event? Yeah, 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 I guess you could call it that, yeah. 
So it, that's not it, that happens sometimes. A lot of times, it's just play parties. People get together and then they go to a, a venue and they play and, and beat each other, whatever. Um, common misconception also too is there's always lots of sex going on. While that can happen, typically it doesn't. A lot yeah. of people, I mean, some people like public sex. I, for one, am not a big fan. Um, I do think I do like my BSM to be in conjunction with sex. I because for me it's foreplay. It's a couple hours of foreplay, but it's still foreplay. But and who doesn't like a couple hours of foreplay, right? Yeah, you know, I, I haven't heard any complaints so far. Anyway, um, so you don't necessarily, if I get that a lot, everybody's like, oh, yeah, you guys are just fucking each other, and there's all kinds of shit, and there's, you know, things flying everywhere. No, not really. <laughs> things flying everywhere. Yeah. Well, and I've even got that, you know, you guys are fucking everywhere kind of a thing when we do social events, and we'll do social events at a restaurant, a public restaurant. Where there's like children around, and they're like, "Oh, but do you guys have sex there? Who the hell goes to a restaurant to have sex? Like, even swingers don't do dentist. that. Yeah, like even swingers don't even do that. Yeah. Why would you think we do? Yeah, we're, we're just gonna hang out, have a couple drinks, maybe some food, you know, blah. Because here's an odd concept: we want to get to know you before we take our clothes off. I don't know why that's so strange, but yeah, Heaven yeah, forbid. Yeah, I get asked that all the time. Like I'm inviting people out to our Wednesday events, and they're just like, "But do you guys like?" Have sex there? Or people yes. assume that because you've invited them being a polite person and, and you know, a part of the community, yeah. that they're like, oh, so does that mean we're going to fuck later? No. No, it doesn't. Well, I've gotten that, too. I had, like, an 18-year-old girl one time and I uh, that I contacted and said, hey, you know, we do, there's a group of people who get together, we get together on Wednesdays, come on out, it's a great way to meet people, blah, blah, blah. And she's all like, why the hell would you contact me? You're too old. And what are you thinking? I'm, I'm thinking you might want to get to know people in lifestyle. Silly me. Goodbye. You know? <laughs> Obviously, so. she's read Fifty Shades and knows everything. Oh, man. I saw it on the fire stick and I was like, ah, share this. Should I watch it? You know, I actually watched it the other day. And, and sadly, the acting was just so bad. It was labeled a romantic comedy. A romantic comedy. Comedy? <laughs> comedy. Well, she is kind of stupid, so it's kind of funny. Other than the fact that it is woefully inaccurate, it's that's the only comedy I see in it. Okay, then probably. That's comedy for us that have yeah, been in the lifestyle, right, not right. for vanillas who At least they didn't don't label it a, a fantasy documentary or something like that. Fantasy that thriller. <laughs> yeah. No. Not not good. It was it was bad. I watched it. I still have to work back callbacks like Rocky Horror for that thing. We, that needs to happen. Yeah, we, totally. yeah, we're gonna to have to do that. All right, so let's get down to what the fuck is BDSM. BDSM is an internet term that um, came around sometime in the late eighties, early nineties, I believe it was, and it, it basically is an amalgamation of a lot of different things. Um, there was, we had bondage and discipline and sadomasochism, and then somebody decided, oh, let's just stick it all together and make one big word. So it's bondage, B&D is bondage and discipline, S&M is sadomasochism, and then in the middle you have DS, which is dominant submissive. So it's kind of a catch-all term for what we do. Um, but it doesn't, uh, you know, it, it was weird because back in the old days, um, the old days, anyway, uh, the, the, bond, the B&D people, the bondage and discipline people really didn't mix with the S&M people because they, they felt that the S&M people were fucking weird because they like to get beat and they like to be, they did all this crazy shit. And so, they, no, we just like to tie people up. But, you know, so now it's kind of all that's got, normal. Yeah, because that's totally normal. But now it's all kind of gotten together and it 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 works um, to a certain degree. Uh, it's all kind of a big community. So that's kind of that's basically it. Let's talk about sex. Ooh. Let's talk about sex, baby. baby. Let's talk. I'm sorry, I can't <laughs> sing right now because my, my cold. I can't sing ever, but I'll try. <laughs> <laughs> really? Okay. Silence? Oh, well, I'm like, all right. Let's talk about sex is very vague. What yeah, what about exactly? sex? Anal exactly. sex. A penis goes into a vagina. And <laughs> people love each other. Oh, God. <laughs> Don't and they ever. want to make a baby. Can someone please tell me about the birds and the bees? <laughs> so a the- stork comes. Yeah, yeah. Love that. A stork comes and drops this off the baby. not my conversation. I'm out. <laughs> sex. Who talks about sex? God. Okay, let's talk about BDSM sex. Okay. Anything? Give See, me that's, good. that's kind of complicated for me. Why? Because I don't know what the fuck vanilla sex is. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, seriously, I've been having sex since I was 12, and I'm all like, what are you talking about, BDSM sex? It's it's sex. Like, 
But apparently that's not true because from yeah, most stories I've read on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> most people don't like to be slapped and or choked during sex. I mean, you can. What? I know. I What's like wrong it. with them? Yeah. No idea. What Wait. would vanilla sex be in comparison to? Mm, okay. Vanilla sex would be what you do, what normal everyday, quote unquote, normal everyday people do, just missionary. And maybe they might flip over into doggy style. And that's just average vanilla sex. Or old trusty, as I like to call it. Old trusty? <laughs> what? Which one is old trusty? Is old trusty. <laughs> doggy style is old trusty. Okay. It's good to know. All righty then. Anyway, so. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so but with you get into kinky sex, now you're talking about tying somebody up, maybe gagging them, um, maybe um, blindfolding them. That gets as, as technically kinky, I guess, though. Uh, and then um, you have choking and slapping, and a lot of people like having their ass slapped. I mean, having your ass slapped during sex, I think, is kind of common anymore. A lot of people do it. They see it in the movies, so they just think it's okay. Uh, and it is. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's another thing, too. Porn has really fucked up our, skewed our view on how, what sex is and how it should work. Um, we've talked about this before, that um, guys like women who choke when they're giving a blowjob because that's what they see in the movies. So, um, and some women... I honestly think part of that is a mental thing because it makes them feel like they have a big dick, even if they don't. <laughs> yeah, that, that actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that totally. Does. So you're you're sucking on a six inch dick and you're you're choking. Going, oh God, it's so huge! And yeah. then you're like, no, I have popsicles bigger than that. <laughs> because it makes them feel like it's so big, it's choking you. Well, yeah, I guess so. It's yeah. psychological for the man. Yeah. Anything that could help that area, I'm sure, would be is good. Yeah. So stroking you know. the ego and stroking the ego. Exactly. Stroke my ego, baby. Um. <laughs> Yeah, so I mean, it, I guess it's a little lie, but who who cares? Whatever works, right? Mm-hmm. Technically, you're not lying because you didn't say anything. <laughs> you're just gagging when you don't necessarily need to. Wow, I'm becoming right, so right. enlightened as to what's really going on <laughs> <laughs> while having the sex. things that women do for men that they don't even realize that we do for them. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I love you, and that's why I gag. <laughs> In I love the you. mind of a female. <laughs> yeah. There's your next topic. In the mind of a female? could go on for hours and hours and hours. Yeah, I'd get lost. What, sorry, what do you uh, teach in your BDSM class? Oh, uh, in BDSM 101, I cover a lot of different topics. It's, it's kind of geared towards the absolute newbie. The impetus of it was the fact that people kept coming up to me and asking me questions. Hey, Bear, how do you do this? Or, hey, Bear, how do you know? And I got tired of answering questions, honestly. It was like, all right, fine. Let's go get together. We'll do this one time, and you'll all I can tell you all what's going on. But it's kind of turned into it's a really uh, it's a a good primer for people. In fact, here in our local community, it's now a requirement for membership to the to our group. You have to go through the BSM one one course at least once to be able to be a member. So it covers um, I cover terminology, the difference between top bottom. Dominant, submissive, master slave, that sort of thing. It also covers um, the to, the implements and uh, where you know what we use and where to hit and all that kind of stuff. It also kind of touches on psychology and um, the difference and being taking care of your submissive and giving aftercare, which a lot of people don't even know what that is. And that's um, taking care of your submissive after you've get them, got them into that sort of almost catatonic state of what we call subspace. Where you beat them and all the endorphins are rushing and everything else. And they'll, sometimes they'll actually pass out on you. And so it's our job as a dominance to care for those people and get them back to normal um, when we're done with them. So, you know, if you're going to get them there, you need to bring them back, basically. Involves a lot of water and a lot of cuddling. And chocolate. And chocolate. Yeah. I have no clue what all you guys are talking about. <laughs> aftercare? What? I'm going to go clean the toys. I'll be back. She doesn't really go into subspace for a variety of reasons. I mean, it's only happened to her once or twice. Um, it's not that I can't get her there if she chooses not to. Um, what I tell daddy is I like the pain too much to go anywhere. Fuck you. I'm going to stay here and feel this shit. This is not. Nice. What are some toys that you guys use on a regular basis? Um, I have lots of floggers. Um, I have, <laughs> and the difference between a flogger and a whip, a lot of people say, oh, I want you to whip me. Great. And I pull out a four foot bull whip and they're like, wait, 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 not that, no, <laughs> that's a whip. No, what the hell you're talking about? 
A flogger is um, it's something with a wooden can. It usually has a wooden handle on it or a handle of some sort, and has falls of different materials. Sometimes it's, it's uh, buffalo hide. Sometimes they're leather. Sometimes they're suede. And they're bunny. Used, bunny. Yeah, no, who uses a bunny flogger? Yeah, what, what the hell is that? that? Shit? I'm like pussies use bunny floggers. No, um, go sit in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> it's really great after after you've been beaten and you're really hot, and then you you rub the bunny fur over that skin. Oh, no, I just good. use alcohol. Yeah, yeah I know because you're evil. Oh, oh yeah, sadistic fuck. <laughs> see, okay, so he's he's a sadistic fuck, and I'm a masochist. So we're both like you guys are perfect for each other. Yeah. You guys looking at me all crazy with the bunny flogger. You don't actually flog people with a bunny flogger. You can. You can, but what? Why? No, a bunny it would flogger be like just sits blowing on that on table them. over there. Yeah, yeah. There. It's just there to look pretty. Yeah, bunny flogger. It's more is, for sensation play. A bunny flogger is. It looks like a flogger, but it has it has like the fake fur falls on it, so it's very light and fluffy. Yeah, yeah. It's, that sounds it's, good. Feels nice. It's good for sensation play, which is you know different than, really than impact play. No, absolutely. I'm an big impact guy. We and we both enjoy impact quite a bit. I've, in fact, I've tried doing rope on her because I want to be a rounded dominant. So I uh, learn. I've learned rope and I've learned a, a lot of different skills. And I'm practicing on her, and she's like, "This is great. When are you going to hit me?" <laughs> you know? Yeah. No, I'll play video ga- or fo- um, video games on my phone as he's tying me up because I'm like, I'm so bored. Is something actually going to happen? See, and yeah, I have really okay, bad joints. Like, my knees, just, I have bad knees. So, like, whenever I get tied up, it has to be in, like, just the right position. Otherwise, I am aching and, like, almost in tears begging to get out of it just because it hurts so bad. And it's not that fun kind of hurts so bad. Yeah. It's like that, please, I want to shoot. <laughs> if you can't get this off me in five seconds flat, just take out a gun and murder me. <laughs> because my, my joints are killing me. I remember doing a photo shoot once, and they had me... In, uh, they had me tied up in, in um, Indian style with my legs crossed. And I was just like almost in tears while they were taking the pictures. And I didn't say anything because I was just like, you got to suck it up. You know, you already had, you know said you would do this. I popped some Olive, tried to. <laughs> and I was just sitting there and I was like, okay, you guys need to get these pictures done quick because I cannot fucking take this shit anymore. And so. that actually brings up a very good point that I've run into a lot in this lifestyle is a lot of submissives feel that they can't say their safe words because mm-hmm. we usually put safe words into place to make it as safe as possible. So we, um, we're, we're, we'll tell them, you know, say whatever your, your safe word is, banana or whatever, come quarters. Purple pajamas. Or, purple, yeah. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> yeah. So you say your safe word and we know that you're, you're done and you can't take anymore. It's too hard or whatever. And so, but because submissives are people pleasers generally in, in any way, and they don't want to seem like a pussy or, or piss anybody off or, or disappoint, disappoint. Yeah, disappoint the dominant, they will do things that they know they're not okay, but they'll do it anyway. Because they, you know, they, they feel they can't. And it's not necessarily a good thing because then you end up being hurt. There was a scene going on in a, in a dungeon in, from a town that we used to live in, and what had happened was um, this one dominant was playing with two submissives at the same time. Well, that's not recommended, because what you're doing, what we do, is so very dangerous that you can actually kill people. So if you don't pay attention to what you're doing, then you can hurt them or kill them, or psychologically scar them even. So she was playing with, there was a female dominant. She was playing with two separate subs at the same time, had one tied to a whipping post, which is basically a four by four post that goes from floor to ceiling. And she was tied to that and had, they had a Tachi magic wand uh, shoved up inside this girl's pussy and, and vibrating on her clit, giving her spontaneous orgasms to hold it in place rather than tie it with like a, a rope harness or something like that to keep it from moving. They simply used saran wrap and wrapped it around this girl's legs and, keeping the Hitachi in place. That's fine. However, anything that is electrical produces heat. So this thing sat there for over an hour that I know of. And uh, when she asked a few times, you know, hey, this is getting kind of warm. Can you check it out? The dominant didn't really look that closely. was busy doing things with this other submissive. And um, when it was all said and done, this girl ended up with secondary burns on her inside of her thighs. And that was, and when I asked her about it, why didn't you say something? Why didn't you say for it? Why didn't, you know, she said, well, I didn't really know. It got numb and I didn't really want to disappoint her. I was new. I didn't feel like I could use my safe word. I felt like I should just suck it up, buttercup and move on. 
And I get that, and it's admirable to a certain extent, I guess, but you're messing with your own safety, and that's not a good thing. You know, so. It's very important for you and your dominant to know your limits. And safety seems like a huge aspect. Absolutely. In fact, that's one, it comes up all the time. There's always something that happens. Somebody gets killed, uh, usually from choking or usually being unattended and while tied. That's a big no-no is tying somebody up and then walking away. While it sounds hot, it's dangerous as hell. You don't ever leave somebody in a bound position where they cannot fend for themselves and then walk away from them. You can do things to make them think that you're not there. Right. You know, use video cameras or whatever, but you need to be within seconds of being with this person to be able to save them. There was a, a case that happened um geez, I don't remember what city it was in. I think it was back east where it was it was actually three guys that were playing. And one was on ketamine, which is a horse tranquilizer. And some other things, and that's he. So mixing drugs in this is not a good idea either, because you're taking drugs that alter alter your state, state of mind, and then you're altering your state of mind with natural drugs by using the endorphins. So you put the two together, and it's never a good combination. So this guy was bound was on ketamine, and another something other substance I don't remember, and he was bound and left. He ended up dying. He suffocated. So that is, it's safety. This is one of the few, you know, before you get into a relationship, you need to go through a safety course. It's one of the few times you know, <laughs> that actually happens. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, so that's we, why the one-on-one class is required, if I'm correct, right? Yeah, yeah. Because so many people Plus come the whole don't touch other people's toys rule. Yeah, there's a lot of that, too. Etiquette, that's that's another thing that's covered in there, too. And there's a lot of people that come into this lifestyle we were talking about earlier off off the mic about how they, they come in 21 years old. Hey, I'm a dominant. I, I'm a master. I've been doing this forever. No, no, you haven't. And those of us who have been around for a minute can tell you haven't. So, calm, you know, cool your jets and come in and let us know that you're new. We'll teach you. That's what we do. That's what we're here for. But don't be an arrogant asshole and think that we're going to let it go because it's not going to happen. So, While we're on the topic of safety and whatnot, why don't you go through the acronyms of, you know, the prick rack and. Um, oh, OK. There's a couple different acronym, acronyms that we use in the lifestyle. Um, one is SSC, safe, sane and consensual. And there's another one that's called prick, um, personal responsibility and inconsensual kink. And I think they probably come up with another one now. People love to come up with acronyms like SHIELD. I don't know why. They, <laughs> someone just really wants it to say SHIELD. But, yeah. Um, so SSC was started in the 70s, mostly in the gay community, when the media got wind of the activities that were going on. Because this kind of stuff has been going on for hundreds of years, literally. And um, they were like, well, what you guys do is crazy. And and you're beating each other. Isn't that not safe? And and they're like, no, no, no. Everything we do is safe and it's sane. It's consensual. Consensual, yes. Safe, eh, maybe. Sane, not so much. I put knives to her throat on a regular basis. So the one, another an acronym that has come up within the last hmm, five, six years or so is PRIC. Personal Responsibility and Consensual Kink. Basically what that states is that I have a responsibility to know what I'm doing. I need to train properly to make sure that I what I do with the knives is not going to kill her. Um, and I need to learn, you know, so I need to mitigate the, the there, there's going to be problems. There, there's, there's going to be instances where things don't go quite right, but I need to be able to mitigate those as much as possible. She needs to be informed as to what I'm doing. It's her responsibility, her own personal responsibility to understand what I'm doing so that's why we recommend a lot of classes for submissives, too. Even though you're not going to be doing it, you are going to be having it done to you. So it is best that you learn how these things are, these techniques are done correctly. So when somebody pulls a wild hair out of their ass and starts lighting you on fire, you're not going, whoa, 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 is this right? Is this supposed to happen? Should it smell like no, no, that? No, I took that class. This is not the way it's supposed to exactly. go. Exactly. <laughs> you're an idiot. Bye. Yeah. And that's what sub- submissives need to do. And they don't seem to understand that. It's... Why is it my responsibility? I'm not the one doing it. Well, because it's your body. Yeah. You're having it done to you. You need to be responsible for it. And that's a huge problem that I I saw in the community on FetLife is submissives, male or female, would see a dominant and run up to it like a lonely puppy without a home. Oh, my God. And be like, oh, his, his profile or their profile says dominant. They know what they're doing. I can trust them. No, you don't know them. You can't trust them. Like our parents taught us, 
Stranger danger. Mm. Yeah, okay. there, is, there is no verification and always process. Have a buddy. Yeah. <laughs> always have a buddy. They're actually in the community um, for a long time. They they do what they call um, safety calls. So if you're going to go meet with someone new, because used to you'd meet off meet people and correct me if I'm wrong here, off the back of a magazine because there was yeah. no there was no website to meet people out of. Right. So it was like the back of magazines. You'd meet people, so you'd be like, hey. Uh, if it was me, I'd be like, hey, hey, Kiki, I'm going to go meet so-and-so. This is the information I have for them. This is all of the information I know about them. I'm going to go meet him at this place. I should be done by this time. Call me. If I don't call you by this time, you send someone. Well, that's smart. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's safety is, is a big thing, and you have to... <laughs> You have to take responsibility for your own safety. Absolutely. After you have a good rapport and a good relationship with your dominant, yes, you can you can trust them. But if it's not someone that you're you know very well, you know, you still need to be aware of what should be happening to you. You still need to have friends who know where you are if you're playing in private. It it's a, a lot safer sometimes to play in public, even though you might be shy maybe you don't want to get naked in front of everybody whatever it's a lot safer because guess what if you're in a dungeon there's a monitor there the monitors are like hall monitors you know what i mean it's it's they're like that person's doing this wrong you're gonna hurt them they'll go talk to the dominant and be like get him down you know it the the monitors at dungeons are there for the submissive safety and you also hopefully have some friends there or other people that you know that will keep an eye out for you and keep track of your safety. When you're in a close knit community, if there's someone who is constantly abusive of a submissive and we're not talking about fun BDSM abuse, we're talking about actual abuse that gets around very quickly, Yeah, you know, and that person kind of has for, for lack of a better phrase, like they've been marked. You know, if, if I have a friend who's like, hey, I'm talking to this new guy, his name's such and such. And I'm like, no, 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 you need to talk to his previous submissives because I've heard these things, but they're word of mouth. So you need to go talk to them. You know, a lot of it is a lot of it is safety driven. A lot of it is community based. You have to be able to trust the people that you're playing with and the, pu- the, the people that you're playing around. Yeah, we do try to take care of our own. Um, it's not always easy. And there's a lot of BS that comes along with it. But for the most part, we do try to take care of people and, and of our own because we realize that if if, so, if something goes bad, horribly wrong, if there is a death per se, um, that all reflects on all of us. So we all yeah. kind of have to kind of keep take care of each other. So It's sort of like a family, only exactly. without being creepy. A, no, no, it's creepy. It's creepy. <laughs> a twisted, sick family. But, you know, a family nonetheless. We all have this. We still have those crazy ass uncles that nobody wants to deal with. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> oh, you're done? Yeah. <laughs> I want to hear about the fire. Oh, okay. Fire. Um, fire play in general? or um, Yeah. Well, there's different things you can do um, with fire. There's wands that we use that are basically um, sticks that um, you, can use. you can use a simple uh, doweling or something like that and cover it in cotton, but then cover it with some sort of uh, fire retardant um, material like either Kevlar or... Um, carbon fiber felt and then we use alcohol as fuel um, you have different grades of alcohol you have 90 50 percent 70 percent and 91 percent um and we use and they have different heat um to each each one it basically it's because it's a pure alcohol has been cut by water that's what percentages mean and so um they have different burn times and they have different heat levels. And so it's always good to start off with the 50% and get learn how fire works and what it does and how it reacts before you start moving on other things. But you can rub it across the body. Um, you can actually transfer uh, fuel. Some people will call it fire painting while they're actually put fuel on the body and then transfer it over and then it'll burn for a second. But you have about three seconds to get it off before it starts burning the actual body because the what burns in alcohol is the is the fumes, not necessarily the actual the fuel. Yeah, much like gasoline. So um, yeah, there's all kinds of fun stuff you can do with it. Um, you can shoot fireballs using a, a spray bottle. You can um, you can um, we can put it on different implements. There was a guy that had one. This class we went to the other day had this giant like cane, basically. That had uh, a wick at the end of it, and that was used for hitting people with the fire. I've actually even bought um, 
uh, an oven mitt, like one of the oven gloves, and soaked it in alcohol and done fire spanking. Oh, wow. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds fucking awesome. I do, I do want to jump in real quick and point out that fire is considered edge play mm-hmm. and not something you should do if you're like brand freaking new to the yeah. scene. Yeah. This is, it, this is something that you work up to um, because there are a lot of things that are considered edge play that can potentially go horribly wrong in a blink of an eye and now people are dead or severely hurt. So with the edge play stuff, that looks beautiful. It's fantastic. It's fun. Everybody's like, I want to do that. But if you're brand new, don't just say, oh, I know how Leave to do that. Leave it to the experts. People. Yeah. Learn. I, Try to learn. Educate yeah. yourself. Yeah. Find, some, find someone who's good at it that you've seen, seen play or whatever, and have them teach you. Um, most of us that have been in the lifestyle for uh, any length of time are more than happy to teach people uh, techniques and, and things. That's how we learn. It's kind of – most of us feel it's our job to do so. Because that's how we create a better community. How long have you been in the lifestyle? Uh, it, that's kind of a weird. I, I used to say about sixteen years. Um, I started off. It's kind of why I say. Reason I say it's weird is because I started off in, doing private play. Uh, I had a. I picked up a slave, a girl who wanted to be a slave, and so we started doing things. I didn't have a lot of training at the time. I just started doing it, um, and. Then later on down the road, in about two thousand six, I found a group. I was living in Fresno at the time, and I and I found this group called the Group in Fresno, TGIF, and I got involved with them. So um, that was my first foray into the public end of things. And there is a very large public community that most people don't know about. It is just slightly under the surface of the rest of everything going on. There's many people I'm sure that you know in your daily life that have been involved in this stuff, and they just don't broadcast it because one, we're considered weird. And until recently, criminally insane. Um, the DSM, the latest uh, DSM, which is what the psychologists use for diagnosing people, um, the DSM four just in the, in the DSM four we were still considered a uh, insane or a um, perverted, and now it has been taken out, so we are no longer nuts. So that's always good. But um, yeah, so I just yeah I got started off doing that, and then got into public play, and then. Um, was able to meet a lot of different people, been trained by a lot of different people, um, and, you know, just been doing it for a long time. So at least 10 years, and you're still going to classes. Oh, yeah, you never stop learning. For if any, I don't care how long you've been doing this, if you say that I know everything, you're an idiot. There's just no way of knowing everything. I mean, well, I know. And as, as a submissive, if you run into uh, a top dominant master, whatever, who's like, I know everything. I don't need to go to classes. Run the fuck away. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, your odds of, of you dying by this person's hand has just been greatly increased. Run the fuck away. I'm like, okay. So I went to this class this last yesterday, uh, this weekend, and it was a fireplay class. I have taught fireplay classes. Did I learn anything? Yes. It wasn't a lot. I knew most of it already. I actually have done it in practice. Uh, and so I've done a lot of stuff, but I still learn some extra little things. It's all, you always pick up little stuff every once in a while, you know? So it's, it's you just, it's a continuing it's education. It's like a refresher course. Yeah. It's it, like if you own a gun, you're probably still going to go to classes and still yeah, learn more. You still go to the range know. and practice. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it, it's, it's just like anything. Like, well, um, I also am a, uh, Certified fire life safety technician, which means I work with fire alarm systems and stuff like that. We're still required, even though I'm a journeyman and I've been doing it for 20 years, I'm still required to have continuing education credits to make sure that I'm staying up current on all the new panels and all the new requirements and all that kind of stuff. So it's the same thing. You need to constantly train. It's never going to end. There's always some new technique. There's always some, and there's always someone that has tried something different and had usually the best way to learn, honestly, is by other people's mistakes. Hey, I did this. It sucked. Don't do that. (laughs) Well, that's something they said a lot in these classes this weekend was these classes came about because I fucked up. Yeah. Let me teach you my mistakes and what not to do from there, you know, so you you guys don't have to make the same mistakes. And that's pretty much what we all do because it's not like you can pick up a book and be like, okay, well, in this book that's an actual, you know, uh, uh, manual yeah manual on how to do stuff it's all trial and error people fucked up and now they're gonna tell you i did this it was bad you should probably do this it's a lot of passed on knowledge 
So if you're not going to classes and going and learning from others, how are you learning? You're, right, you're going exactly. back to what they did, fucking up, and hoping that you don't actually kill someone. Yeah. Do you guys have any fuck-up stories? It was it was a kind of a funny moment because we're going along and I'm doing the normal thing where I'm playing and I'm, and when I do knife play, uh, it, to clarify, a lot of people have, have a misconception that I'm using the blade portion. Yes, I'm using the blade, but I'm using the back of the blade. So it's kind of a mind fuck in a way of you're dragging the tip across the skin and all it running across your throat and everything else, and it feels like you're being cut or, or whatever. You can feel that drag, but it's not necessarily being cut because my knives are very very sharp on purpose. So I was I'm pulling this across your skin, and I go to turn, and it's, it twists and sticks. And because I hold it life, lightly in my hand, it didn't do anything. Yeah. But we both stopped. We looked at each other. Looked at where I did it, where we put poker. All right. Kept moving. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so it, it happens. I mean, and one of the things that I always teach people in my one-on-one class is one of the, when I first got involved with a girl one time years and years ago, we were playing, and, and I had a, was in my bedroom at the time. And I had taken a chain and I had supported it from a beam in the ceiling. And that's what I used to restrain her as I was whip, as I was flogging her and spanking her and stuff like that. So I had been taught at that point, you know, you need to check the capillary reactions in people's fingertips to make sure that, you know, you squeeze the fingertips and you want to make sure that there's good capillary refill. It means that their hands are still getting blood and they're not going to, hands are going to go numb and that sort of thing. Again, another safety issue. So I'm sitting there playing with her, and I was doing that, and I was checking her and making sure she was okay. And I noticed that she was kind of getting unresponsive. And I'm like, all right, she's probably done. And so I reach up, and I check her hands again, and they're not cold or anything, but I'm like, oh, she's probably done. And I start to take them down. She goes, I think I'm done. So she's talking. I'm like, oh, yeah, I think so, too. So one hand goes down. Then the other hand goes down. She passes out. Something about having your hands above your head for an extended period of time, and all that blood is being rushed up. When that pressure changes, now you have a tendency to pass out. So what do you do in a situation like that? Luckily, because I was aware at the time and I have the body mass to be able to do it as I caught her and twisted because she was heading for a door. She was heading for my open bedroom door. Had I had just let her fall, her head would have impacted that door, probably split it open. But because I was aware at the time, I grabbed a hold of her and I spun her and we both landed on the floor. She was fine. I took most of the brunt, the brunt of the, 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 any impact. What I teach people now is that when you're on a cross or something like that, we use these devices called, um, they're called panic snaps. They're available at any um, tax shop, oddly enough, and they're designed for use with horses. So when you have a, a lead and you're, you're leading this horse and it decides to freak out, you can pull, a, pull this little spring and the whole thing pops loose and they can take off and it's not going to kill you. Same thing as it applies with the women with these with people on a cross. I have them on the cross, and the panic snaps are done in such a way so that if they do go slack in their restraints, I can kind of use my body. I stick my knee up on, on between their legs and I push their body against the cross. Pop those panic snaps. Now they're down, but yet they're controlled. They're they're leaning against their weights against right. the cross, or I have a hold of their weight, and now I can pull their weight back onto me and drop them into a chair or just simply take them down to the ground slowly so they don't fall. If you just remove them, they're going to collapse in a, in a puddle on the ground and probably hurt themselves because typically we play in concrete floors. So, you know, it's that's easier to clean. Yeah. Hosing. <laughs> it's a thing. Anyway. Um, yeah. So you want, that's the things you have to kind of worry about and know about. And that's where talking with people who have done this for a minute can tell you, Hey, you know, be prepared for your sub to pass out. If if it doesn't happen, fine, whatever. But if it does, you're ready. And that's the most important thing. So do you have like a dedicated room in your house for this? Not in our house currently because we do have children. She, uh, Kiki has two kids that live with us. So we don't have a dedicated dungeon per se. Um, we go to a, um, a house here in town that that's what they have. Their garage is converted into a dungeon. So that's where we have play parties and get together and stuff like that. Sometimes we'll have meetings there. And, uh, like I also run a dominant discussion group and we'll meet there and talk about dominant things, dumbly dumb things. And um, <laughs> how horrible their life is. And yeah, it's so, it's so therapy session. Dealing with you crazy broads is the problem. No, <laughs> <laughs> being weighted on hand and foot is just so horrible. <laughs> Oh, but you're me? a good sub, Kiki. Can you imagine some some of the people that other dominants have to deal with? 
Yeah, no, no, I, I, I kind of watch what these, you know, people post online and I'm like, ah, you scare me. Go away. Like that hurts. You're not supposed to do that. But no, I, uh, yeah. Living on a uh, day to day life with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think I'd kill a bitch. Cause <laughs> no, <laughs> like this is why I'm submissive because yeah. I would fucking kill you. <laughs> yeah, Seriously. You don't want me to be your dominant. You'd die. Like, and that's actually a really good point too. Is a lot of people see submissives <laughs> at being weak. And that is the furthest thing from the truth. Because if you think about it, submissives are very strong people because they're allowing other people to take over their lives. I know I sure as hell couldn't do that. Yeah. I'm way too much of a control freak for that. (laughs) So it worked good because she's allowing that to happen. And I like, you know, that sort of thing. I like being in control. So we work well in concert together. So, but to, to think of a submissive as a weak person, they just need someone to take care of them is not. It's not true. And then you'll have, but conversely, you'll have a lot of submissives that think, oh, you're just going to take care of me and I don't have to do nothing. I'll lay around naked and eat bonbons and you can fuck me whenever you want. Go do the dishes, bitch. Those are Peggy Bundy submissives. (laughs) Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, make me a sandwich. Yeah, no, they don't, they don't understand what it means. It is, and a lot of people will say that submission is a gift. And that's God, I hate that. I freaking hate that. (laughs) It's bullshit. Oh, I hate it. It's complete bullshit because submission is a transaction. Mm -hmm. You give me your submission in, in, and you expect me to take care of you in, in as you know to, to help to guide you to help protect you and all that sort of thing. So it is a, it's a transaction. It is not a gift. There's an expectation. A gift is something that is given freely, without any expecting any expectation of anything returned. Yeah. And that's not what this is. This is a this is a power exchange. And Kiki has a great analogy of a cup. I used to run um, the submissive discussion group. And so I would talk to a lot of new submissives and the way that I would teach them what a power exchange is, is uh, I would use the whole cup analogy. You have a cup. I have a cup. There is liquid, just say liquid uh, water in my cup. I pour some into your cup and now you have some, you pour some back into my cup so that I have some to give back to you. And we both keep doing this. And so that way, none of our cups run dry. Yeah. But if I just pour all of mine into yours and you're like, haha, I have it. I'm not giving it back. Fuck you. What else do I have to give you? Right. Or vice versa. If you pour everything into mine and now I'm like, haha, I'm going to run away. What do you have to give me? So because it's a power exchange, we both have to keep giving to each other. And I'm not saying like the the daddy serves me and blah, blah, blah. And any, no, it's not like that. What you feel you need back or need in return is what you determine. Like for myself, I need him to spend time with me. And we had to really talk and discuss and clarify what that meant. Because my definition of spend time with me and his definition of spend time with me were polar opposites and we didn't even realize it. Um, but yeah, it's you have to figure out what it is that you need to be able to keep giving to them. What do they have to give you? So that was one of my things is like I needed to spend time with him to reestablish a connection and reestablish this dynamic. Not or not reestablish, but... um. Just for him to feed back his energy to me. Because my idea of spending time is, well, we're sitting on the, t- the couch and watch TV, right? I'm spending time with you. And no, she needs me to actually talk, to engage with her, to make her feel like that she's part of my life. Sitting there and while I'm watching TV is not part of that. So, I mean, and I think it's a common male misconception. While I'm sitting, I'm sitting here, we're watching movies. We're Netflixing and chilling. Yes. <laughs> you know. Um, but that's not the case, you know, so you, you really need, and there's a lot of discussion that goes into what we do. We talk a lot and, 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 and that's the only way to kind of work through all this stuff to assume something. It means it doesn't, isn't necessarily, the, you know, the truth. So there's, you have to talk a lot. So and it's just kind of the way it works. And communication is huge in relationships and even more so in this. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say that. Imagine. With, with what we do, not just the relationship portion, but play and everything else, um, the, the communication is huge. Every little detail gets communicated. 
and negotiated and agreed upon. It's not like I just said, okay, I'm going to do for you and whatever that means to you is what's going to happen. We've actually had discussion on, well, what does that mean to you? What do you expect out of me? Well, this is what I expect in return. You know, and a lot of the little details of it need to be worked out. You can't just be like, well, I agree to be your slave and you agree to be my master and that's all there is to it, right? No, because that means different things to different people. Yeah. And I feel like with a lot of the conversation and a lot of the communication comes the trust that's required in a relationship like this. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of, quote, vanilla relationships would benefit. benefit, Thank you. Benefit from taking a page out of that book. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I've spoken with people before and it's it's that I find that um, even though we're considered to be perverts and weird and all this kind of stuff. Most BDSM relationships, especially ones that have lasted for any particular length of time, and your average BDSM relationship lasts about six months. So if they can get in a year or more, you're doing pretty well. Um, but anything that has lasted for a while, those relationships are typically healthier than any vanilla relationship because they've had to do the work to they do the work on self for starters to understand where they're coming from, what their needs and wants are. And then they communicate that on to their uh, significant other. And, and then there's a lot of communication back and forth that way. Well, I do believe there has been studies to prove that. Yeah, I think there is now. Yeah. yeah, it, it is an actual thing. And I think the same goes with the safe word. I think safe words would be great in any relationship. <laughs> You're pissing me off. Red. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I actually, um, in my relationship, I do have a safe word. When we're arguing, if I if I use the word serious or seriously, that means because my my boyfriend, love him with all of my heart, uh, <laughs> like likes to antagonize. He thinks it's hilarious, and I think it's hilarious to a point. And there's there's times where he'll start crossing lines, and I can't. I just it. I just can't. And I'll I'll look at him. I'll be like. Okay, you're starting to piss me off. Oh, well, blah, blah, blah. Okay, seriously. And then it's like, okay, I've put that coin down. If you keep going and I flip my bitch switch, you've been warned. Yeah. So he's learned that once I use the word seriously, we've actually had conversations about it. I'm like, if I say the word seriously or serious and you keep going, all hell is is going to break loose. Yeah. There are no options because I, I have let you know I am uncomfortable with where this is going. I am not happy with where this is going and you need to stop. So if he does it and I turn into a bitch, that's his problem. <laughs> have you guys ever been um, in a situation where a safe word was trying to be used and it just kept going and going? Mm, personally, I don't believe so. I've heard of stories, what they call it, Dom Frenzy. Where and that's one reason we have don, uh, DMs, uh, dungeon monitors in spaces and play spaces, is because I've heard of stories of dominants that get so involved in what they're doing and they're they're loving and they're enjoying themselves and they're kind of get on this power trip high, and they'll just keep going and the sub is calling a safe word and they're not hearing it and they don't care and they're just going to keep going and keep going and keep going, and so at that point there's usually an ultimate safe word. Each, each venue has their own ultimate safe word. Sometimes it's purple for one venue or red for another. And that those DMs are trained to listen for that. If they hear it, they'll walk up and they'll stop it. And they don't care who they piss off. They don't care what else is happening. That person has called that. You're done. Stop. Yeah. You know, and, and sometimes you have to do that. I mean, I've never personally experienced that. I don't think I've ever seen it in all the years I've done this. I have heard horror stories, though. I've had to walk away from relationships because the whole, hey, I'm being serious right now, like this needs to stop, just did not stop. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it happens. I mean, I know when in my vanilla marriage, you know, you're, you get to a certain point and, you, and you're arguing or whatever and you're like, okay, you need to quit. And they just keep going because they feel the need for whatever reason to continue pushing your buttons they're so pissed off or, or they just don't care anymore so you start stepping over lines and then you can permanently hurt someone absolutely you start saying things you don't actually mean or or really 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 mean i've said some pretty mean things in my in my lifetime so um yeah you, you really have to kind of watch it so it, being able to take some of the emotion if you're having issues for me i have to take the emotion out of it 
So if I'm able to sit and just listen, and, and that's something else I've had to learn to do too, is shut the hell up. Instead of just immediately firing back, I have to sit and listen to what she has to say and hear her out and, you know, because her feelings are valid and I have to listen to them all and then I can rebut or whatever. But if a lot of times if you just start rebutting from the beginning, nothing ever gets accomplished. It's the same shit over and over and over again. And then you start humiliating people, saying mm-hmm. the wrong things and not the kind of humiliation that people like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. No. And I've ran into that also, people who are really involved in humiliation. Right. And sometimes they do it for their own shortcomings. They they feel, for whatever reason, they're, they don't like where their life is going or they're, they feel, you know, um, they have a psychological problem themselves or whatever. And so then they all try to belittle you to make themselves feel better. That's very common, you know, with humans in general. Do you feel that a lot of people in the lifestyle are damaged psychologically? <sighs> you know, um, that's a point of contention. Uh, I've brought up, I feel my personal opinion is most of us that are in this lifestyle are damaged in some way. Yes. We have, sir, we have suffered some sort of trauma, um, be it parents, um, sometimes it's actual sexual abuse. Um, you know, um, there's a lot of people have been molested. Um, sometimes it's just, you know, um, past relationships. There's a lot of baggage. However, this is how we deal with it. Yeah. Um, and these people that typically, and I guess there's no, there are no absolutes, but typically the people that do this are a lot more well-adjusted than your average individual because we're not pre- suppressing it. We're not shoving it down and letting it fester. We bring it up. We deal with it. We move on. So, yeah. Get it, flogged, cry it out, feel better in the morning. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It, it can be very cathartic. I mean, I've had very, some very cathartic scenes with people well i've beaten i was one girl i was beating one time and she just started bawling and i've learned in, in early on i didn't i would stop because she's crying but she kind of warned me that she does that so that again that's good communication hey you know usually when i, I have good cathartic scenes i cry okay good to know so we're gonna keep going until you say for it and so i just kept rolling and i was and i was beating her and she stopped me for a minute and said, can i blow my nose and she was tied to a cross so i grabbed some Toilet paper, some uh, paper towel, and stuck it up to her nose. She's like, seriously? And I'm like, listen, I've had kids. This is nothing, you know. Yeah. <laughs> just blow. All right, <laughs> and moving on. Yeah. So, um, go ahead and and explain again your BDSM course. They're like a set time and day for people who would want to get into it, get involved. We try to do it well. Typically, we did. We have done it in the past once a year. Now that it's become a requirement for membership, I guess we're going to do it once a quarter. So the next available one will be coming up in February on the 20th. 20th. I do believe it's this one. Yeah. Usually we, what we do here in, in Bakersfield is we do uh, every third Saturday we have a demo. And then it's followed by a munch, which is a get-together of people, um, you know, talking and, and kind of go over businesses, what's, what's happening in the community and things like that. And then we'll have a play party following that. And typically, to get to the play party, you need to have attended two events, either the Wicked Wednesday, which we do every Wednesday, and a munch or a couple Wicked Wednesdays. So we get a chance to kind of get a feel for you and get to know you a little bit. Small correction, it's not for a play party. It's just one event. Okay. All right. Things have changed recently, and I have forgotten things. So, um so yeah, so we on this the third Saturday we try to do a lot of demos, and so the, uh, when we do most of our demos, and so this February, that's what the demo will be. Will be the one on one course. February twentieth. Yes. And if anyone wanted to get involved, try to go to that. How would they be able to search you? Um, go on to fetlife.com, and that was a website I talked about earlier. It's a kind of a it's almost like Facebook for kinky people, and um, just search out me, uh, Master Underscore Bear. And listed on my page is all the things, all the events I'm organizing or things I'm going to and click on those links there. And then I'll show you the the link to that uh, event and put down that you're going. And uh, you will, if you're, if we know who you are, then you'll be sent a, a link saying, you know, Hey, this is, this is the time and date of uh, where we're going to be doing things and the location and all that. Um, but if you're not, then it's usually best to come out and try to meet us publicly uh, out there at a Wicked Wednesday, which has the um, address posted on the event. 
uh, it'll, it's a lo- local restaurant, and there's on the event there is the address. So just come on out, meet us, say hi to me, send me a, send me a message, let me know that you are interested in all this kind of stuff and would like to know more. Be happy to talk with you. I'm happy to talk with you in person. If you can't make it out to a Wicked or something like that, let me know. I will. Uh, will Kiki and I will try to meet you for coffee or something like that. All right, and no fucking at, at the. Restaurant. No, no fucking at the restaurant. No fucking at the restaurant. No diddling each other. I mean, you can go home and do that stuff, but don't do that in public. You know, they kind of frown on that. A little bit. There's food involved. That's kind of nasty. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you guys so much for being here. No problem.